Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to Chair City Church. Glad to see all of you here. Uh, it's not easy being a mom. It certainly wasn't easy being my mother, uh, no doubt. And different roads to becoming a mom. Just the path, any path to motherhood itself, it's challenging, challenging emotionally, challenging physically, of course. And today we're going to look at the life of a mom. Uh, we're going to take her out of the Bible here, Sarah. And we find her life uh, laid out for us in the book of Genesis. And, and Sarah is one of those persons that's listed in the great chapter of faith in the book of Hebrews. And we, we've been saying that, you know, if Sarah had come on out and join us, what would she say to us? We're going to get to that. But a significant chapter in Sarah's life begins with Abraham, her husband, having a vision where God speaks to him. It's a, it's a famous conversation. And God makes a covenant with Sarah's husband, Abraham. We find that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. So Abram was not Abraham yet, but his name was Abram. Came to Abram in a vision. He said, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Elizer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if you indeed can count them, meaning you can't. Then God said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So God is promising Sarah and Abraham that they will have a child. Sarah's name is actually Sarai at the time, means princess. And Sarah will give birth to this child. And as a result of this, their family will expand greatly beyond their imagination. Well, the next year comes, there's no child. The year after that, no child. Ten years pass and Sarah has not conceived a child. Sarah is now 75 years of age and she's tired of waiting. It's an excruciating wait. And we're going to look now, let's look to the scripture to see what Sarah's response was to after waiting for 10 years. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 2. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. She thinks it's God's fault. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarah concludes, if God is not going to keep his promise, then I will build my family without him. I cannot keep waiting. And you see, in Sarah and Abraham's culture, it was uh, not uncommon for people who were well off to have servants. And if they had a female servant and wanted to kind of expand their family, either having a child or just having more children, and uh, the wife was not able to, they would leverage their female servant as a surrogate mother. And that's what Sarah decides to do with Hagar. So God promises Sarah she'd have a child. And that child seemingly, well, it's, it's seemingly is going unfulfilled to Sarah. And she makes a decision to take matters into her own hands apart from God. And she has Hagar, her female servant, sleep with her husband Abraham. 
And, and from that, Ishmael is born, a son named Ishmael. And, in, and what surrounds that, and it's a whole other sermon, is a lot of confusion, pain, and sorrow. Ishmael winds up, God does provide for Hagar and Ishmael as Sarah and Abraham wind up putting them out of their home. And God provides for them, raises up Ishmael. Ishmael winds up becoming the father of the Arab world. And of course, Abraham and Sarah are of the Jewish nation. And lo and behold, this is what you have today, right? It keeps going. Now, I want you to see that when Sarah takes matters into her own hands, she creates more sorrow than solutions, right? When we are supposed to be waiting on God and instead we assert ourselves or insert ourselves to get out of the waiting room, we usually wind up creating more sorrow than solutions. I mean, sometimes at first we think we've come up with a solution or two. We think we've sort of brought things to a better resolution, uh, you know, for ourselves. As I say, we're kind of just trying to calm our minds and feed our minds with something just to help us get along for the day and calm our anxieties. But at the end of the day, we really are creating more trouble and problems for ourselves. And I think Sarah, that's what she would say to you. If Sarah could come alongside of you, if she could run this race of life that we have, I think she'd say, look, the key to it all is to wait on God because God rewards those who wait on him. And it, that, that's the hard part. Sometimes we think the, the purpose of, of, of knowing God and, and, and praying to God is that we can bring God to cooperate with our timetable, never thinking that God in prayer wants to bring us to his timetable. To, to in his economy, in his plan. What if God is never going to shrink his divinity and his plans for eternity down to our perspective, to our limited perspective, but rather God is trying to expand our perspective? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing this morning if your perspective of God was expanded, your perspective of eternity was expanded, your perspective of your life was expanded. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing this morning? That's what, that is the one thing that had such a major effect on me when I came to Christ. I still say to this day, apart from eternity, you know, salvation and eternity with my heavenly father, the greatest thing I got when I turned to Jesus was my view of myself and this world was expanded. I had such a limited, shallow view of myself and of this world, just trying to survive, just trying to get by. And when I, when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, when I turned to follow Jesus, everything opened up for me. I seen how much more there was to life. So maybe this morning that God has brought you in here to have your view of him, of eternity and of life expanded. What a great gift for Mother's Day, huh? So Sarah, one of those persons of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about it for five weeks, men and women of great faith, either they had done extraordinary things in their life by faith, or God did something extraordinary through them and enabled them to live by faith. Either way, they're listed in this 11th chapter as examples of us of how we would live out our lives, our faith in God. So if Sarah were to come alongside of us, one of the things she would say to us, I think would be, wait on God, he rewards waiting. Sarah had to wait for a child.
You don't like it, do you? You just don't like to wait, do you? It's like, just spit it out already. Just come on now, you know? We don't like to wait. It's just who we are. I don't like to wait. I'm an impatient, I am such an impatient person, if you know me. I've gotten better, but even the way things are around here, when I'm talking with the, the, the worship team and the production people, I'm like, can we bring it any closer? They're like, yeah, but it, it was two and a half seconds apart. I'm like, yeah, that's too long. It's just too long. You got you to get it closer, you know? No pause. Just, just keep it going. Sarah, she's 65 when God gives her the promise. She's 90 when she eventually gives birth to Isaac. That's a 25-year stretch of time. That's a lot. And now here she is, she's 10 years in, 75 years of age, and she's tired of waiting, and she takes matters into her own hands. I say to you this morning, are you tired of waiting? Are, tired of waiting for a loved one to come around, a family member, even a sibling, a brother, a sister? Tired of waiting for, for one of your children, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50? still waiting for them to come around, still praying, talking to God, thinking of what God had spoken into that child's life? Are you tired of waiting on God to fulfill his promise to answer prayers that you've tossed out to him, especially when they're connected to our loved ones, especially when it's our mother's prayer for her children? Huh? When you're in the waiting room, minutes are hours, hours are days, and days are months, yes? And, and Sarah's tired of waiting. She thinks God has forgotten about her. And she sets out and she takes matters on, you know, she sets out alone apart from God. Listen up. Waiting on God is trusting the words of God even when his timing seems like it's too late. Like, okay, and it seems like it's too late. Too late for us, too late for our, our plans, too late for, for our limited perspective. And the longer you wait, your trust in God begins to wear thin. There's this descent of faith, if you will. And we're so subjected, we're so now um, subjected to the enemy and, and his schemes. I think Sarah, if she was here, she would say another thing to us. She would tell us, you need to wait on God and you need to trust God even if it takes a long time. Even if it takes a long time, because it probably will. This uh, past Friday, Christy and I, uh, we, after we finished up with a homeschool event with our kids, we shot down to Sutton, Massachusetts, uh, probably got there about, I don't know, nine o'clock at night uh, to join 14 other people from Chair City Church. And this was uh, those people who had just finished up the Freedom Life Group here at Chair City Church. Every fall and uh, winter, Life group session, we offer this. It used to be called Living in Freedom Every Day, and now it's called Freedom. 12 weeks of, of learning about God, uh, if you will, maybe just kind of reconsidering your view of God, knowing, reconsidering some of the fundamental ways to understand God, and, and, and at the same time, examine yourself, you know, emotionally and spiritually before a, a holy God. It's a great, great group. And well, the whole group culminates with a retreat, a two-day retreat where Chair City Church comes together with Lifesong Church and they host it, they do a great job down there in Sutton, Massachusetts. Well, it's a, tr a tradition, Christy and I join the group uh, on Friday night and we go out to eat at Applebee's or Fridays. And so we sit down at the restaurant and a short time into sitting down, I look over and I see Sue Thompson 
and I look across and I see Ryan Vandersteen, Sue's son. And just quickly, I recall now, like kind of a deja vu that, wow, three or four years ago, I remember sitting in maybe this same restaurant, if not the restaurant across the parking lot, and I remember Sue and Ryan being there. And Ryan had just gone through the Freedom Group. And you see, Ryan had been coming to church for a couple of years. Ryan was struggling with alcohol. I think often on Sunday mornings, Ryan would come in uh, somewhat a little lit up or somewhat intoxicated or under the influence. I, I don't think I ever recall seeing Ryan sober as long as I knew him. Came in one time on an Easter and just kept coming. And, uh, and I think maybe even when he was going through the group at that time, he was still drinking. And even at the retreat, I, I'm fairly convinced that he was under the influence. But you know, Sue was praying for him, and, and I know she was, because she would tell me, and we would pray with her, and others would pray for Ryan. And you know what, he, Ryan goes there, he goes to the retreat, and he, is, he just has a wonderful time, and he, you could see, by the way, he's talking, he had an experience with God, and then the next week, uh, things kind of tilted the wrong way. Next week worse, in the coming months, Ryan worsened, his condition worsened, his relation with his family worsened, just really painful time. Sue kept praying. She kept praying one month, another month, one year, next year. Now we go almost three years past, and things are worse than ever. And wow, that I see God doing something in Sue. I really do. And then Ryan turns around and comes to Sue one day, or comes to me. Uh, we would all kind of talk, kind of simultaneously almost. And he says, I want to go into detox. I don't want to live like this anymore. And he had said that before, but this time there was a sense that he meant it. And he carried it, he went into detox, and then from detox, he went for several months into a, a alcohol rehabilitation program. And about sometime around November, beginning of December of last year, he comes out, and, he, and here he is now, months later, hasn't drank, sober, he's going on the retreat, goes through the life group, finishes it up, and there he is sitting there in that restaurant, finishing the first session, sober and clean, to God be the glory, right? And there's Sue taking it all in. How wonderful, right? And there's Sue, you know. I, I, I've not asked her, but just thinking, wow, man, it's been, it's been a long road. I mean, I, Ryan had been in that condition for 10 or 15 years, let alone to think it's going to happen and to see it, to see it, you know, some come to church, he hasn't been in church in 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, and then he comes, but then it doesn't work out, and, you think it's gonna, and it doesn't, and, and then there, there is God's glory, right? Right there, here it is. So it takes a long time. None of us like that, because the longer it takes, it can off, often be more difficult, as it was beginning to happen with Sue. Waiting is hard, but if you have to wait, which you likely will, Sarah would say this, when you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. When something is happening to you, you can be assured God is wanting to do something in you, yes? God was doing something in Sue. God was doing something in John. God was doing something in that family. I watched that. We have seen that. God was doing something in their grandson, Parker. We watched it all come together. And we've seen God glorified in their family. We believe the best is yet to come. We believe God for great things. Mothers, grandmothers, those desiring and waiting to have children, listen, wait on God. Wait on God for everything. To have a child, wait on God. To, to love that child, wait on God. To forgive that child, wait on God, even if it takes time, even if it's hard, even if it, and it will be. Wait on God. Trust in God. 
Trust in God for strength, for patience, for forgiveness, for endurance. Trust in God to be gracious, to be nurturing, to be strong, to be wise. Trust in God. Wait on God. Do not take matters into your own hand. Do not go at it alone. By God, Holy Spirit, power working through you, glorify God in the lives of those he's placed in your life. So God took Sarah on a difficult road, and yet Sarah had this incredible, massive influence of people of all time. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 through 17. Then God said to Abram, Sarah's husband, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, mother of nations, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Sarah knows God has promised her that she will give birth to a son. God tells Sarah, I'm going to bless all people who live on this earth. For centuries and centuries to come, people will be blessed by you. That's a lot to, whoa, that's a lot to wrap your mind around, right? I mean, I, I just want a child, and you're telling me you're going to bless, you know, countless numbers of people for years and years to come. And, and we know this to be true, by the way. Abraham and Sarah did exist, they did live, and we know that through Sarah, so many lives have been changed. You see, what was happening here was God was not giving Abraham, or let me say Sarah, God is not just giving Sarah a prediction. He's not speaking about a possibility. God is giving a promise. He's speaking a promise into Sarah's life. Sometimes we're having this dialogue with God and we have this sense that God has promised us. Sometimes we're reading the Word, right, that, which is a covenant of God's promise to us, the Bible, and we think maybe we're, we interpret it, we view it, our perspective is we're looking at a possibility. We're reading maybe a prediction. And it's not. It's God's promise being spoken into your life. And you need to understand it as his promise. You need to view it as a promise. And you need to lead that, let that sink deep down into you. That this is God's promise. And I'm going to wait on God to see his promise fulfilled in my life. Now, if you follow the story, a central part of Sarah's story is this promise of a child and really how long it will take for this child to be born. When God exercises his plan, it's, it's on his timetable. And often that's different from ours. And, and when that delay, seemingly delay is going on, people will generally fall into two categories. When God, when we hear of that promise and, and it starts to now, time starts to go, one category will be belief, the other category will be unbelief. And usually there's this kind of a smiling thing that goes on, smirk, laughter, giggling. The belief from that will be a smile that comes from an inner gladness, a joy that, wow, God, God is doing something. Like when I was sitting there watching Sue and Ryan, like, wow, you know, just, just look what God has done. And, and I know, wow, what's ahead, you know, like for Sue. For, I just know God is in this mix, right? It's the good stuff, you know? As a pastor, I get to see that. It's a, it's a wonderful view I have of what goes on in people's life. And, and, and when God is speaking into you, and you have a sense that this nearness with God and this peace that all is well, and you smile. And then there's the other smiling or laughter of unbelief. That's not a gladness. That's not a joy. That's kind of a mocking God. Sometimes we might do that unintentionally. Like, yeah, yeah okay, you're like, hmm, I don't know. Sometimes people around us will literally laugh. Like, just, yeah, right, you know. 
Sometimes we, after time has passed, have come to that place like, well, you know, I guess, you know, hey, I, I thought I heard God. We might not say that out loud, but within ourselves, we might think that, and we might say it out loud. You see, that's what happened with Sarah. A short time after, you know, Sarah laughs, but she laughs in a mocking way, and she's laughing at God's timetable, at God's timing. A short time after God promises Sarah she'll become the mother of many nations, three angels come to visit Sarah and Abram on their property. And, and Abraham is talking with the angels. Sarah's a short distance by in a tent, and she's listening out, and she hears what the angels tell Abram that a year from now, your wife Sarah is going to give birth to a child. One year from now. And Sarah laughs, and it's not from joy and gladness. It's mocking God, like, you're right. Okay, so after all this time, all I've been through now, this is the age I'm in. You're right. You're going to give me a child. I've heard that one before. If Sarah was to come alongside you today and speak into your life, she would say, wait on God, even if it seems ridiculous. Some of you, you've just got to warm up to this idea. Most people see their relationship with God or they file their relationship with God under normal, under just, you know, help me get by, help me deal with life, uh, you know, uh, help me just do what they just fell under normal and yet so little that we know of God in the Bible is normal right it's so uncommon it's so incredible that really often a sane person would say that's ridiculous and so much of what God has done just seemingly is ridiculous listen Christy grows up my wife my precious wife grows up in a Christian home I think her parents, she, she was probably four or five years old when her parents came to faith. She grew up with a, she, she grew up with a tinfoil ball on a, fork, on a fork. Did I say that right? Okay. Uh, you know, singing to Jesus in her living room at like six and seven years old, right? You know, it's a microphone. She sang in church, was in church plays, early age, went on a church worship team singing, uh, went to mission trips around the world as a teenager, Venezuela. Uh, went, to, went to Bible college, went off to Bible college. I mean, in a really kind of a strict, militant, you know, you, you go to church like two hours a day. I mean, Monday through Friday, they make you go to church two hours a day. I went there. I'm like, my God, I don't need this much church. Nobody needs to go to church two hours a day here, okay? And this was crazy. And of course, when you go to Bible college, Boys go to Bible college and girls go to Bible college, and what do you think happens at Bible college? Well, they, you know, they meet and they get married. And really, it's like, I think they called it Zion Bible Bridal College, right? I mean, it was like, no, I, I think it was like 75% of, of Christie's class wound up getting married, right, to, to other people in the Bible college. And, and that's a good thing because, you know, as a parent, you're thinking, okay, we've raised our daughter, she stayed in the faith, she's come up, she's going to Bible college, and now she's going to meet a, a, a good, fine Christian young man, maybe even the son of a pastor. This is awesome. Well, Chrissy starts talking to me. And I am not, and I am far from all of that, right? Now, here's her mom hanging out in the wings and her dad. And, you know, one call, another call, another call. Okay, what, what's happening here, you know? This is not what we, this is not what we planned. And it is incredibly unusual because any girl that's dating or in a relationship with any guy that's in Bible college, they all are not just Christians, but like, you know, they're leaders in their church. They're most, most of them in a Bible college. If not, they're back at home and they're, you know, very involved. 
And I'm, I'm just like off the wall, right? I'm deranged and Chris, she's talking to me. And, and then we, I come up and I meet her. And, and her moms would be like, okay, wait, time out. This is not how this is supposed to go, okay? This is not the script here, right? This is ridiculous. And then, of course, we keep going, we keep going, and, and I'm sure Diane's praying, like, okay, what's happening here? What could be going on? But all along, God is intending to do something great, and that was me, of course. And <laughs> I hope that was good. I didn't hear it all. <laughs> Listen, you know, next, we, we think we're smarter than we are. We, 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 and that's not, I'm not looking to insult you, meaning, we do, though, when we set to map things out, when we try to figure things out, we get ahead of God, and we have this sense that we are more capable in our planning and our capacities than God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, as the scriptures say He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. God uses what he thinks is foolish to confound the wise. He used me, okay, to confound Christy and Lloyd and Diane and, and her brother. They were all together yesterday. It was so nice. Listen, miracles are not normal. They're not commonplace. They are beyond us, beyond our reasoning, beyond our thinking. But miracles do happen. I know. I'm a walking miracle. And I've seen God work. Ryan Vandersteen is a miracle. Karen Emerald was there, she's a miracle. We have so miracles happen in people's lives. God is a miraculous God. There's nothing normal about walking, about following Jesus, nothing at all. It's so far beyond our perspective. It's so far, when we trust in God, when we wait on God, when we are comfortable with the ridiculous, right? So, when we take steps towards what is seemingly uncomfortable to us, Let's read Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son at 90, ridiculous, to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. So Isaac is born, and as the Bible tells us, Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, which is where the nation of Israel gets their name. And, and, and Jacob has 12 sons, and that becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and it keeps going from there. And then from those 12 tribes come people who change history. Moses brings the nation of Israel out of, out of slavery, out of Egypt. Then comes King David. He's author of the Psalms and the guy who took out Goliath and, and the, the, the king of united Israel. And then comes Mary, right, the mother of Jesus. And then comes Jesus, our, our Savior and Lord. And then comes Paul, you know, to, to bring the church to the unbelievers and the Gentiles. And, and, and then comes you and I, and here we are. And God uses all of this to come from Sarah and, what he, and that promise he gave to Sarah. Let's read in Genesis chapter 21, verses 6 through 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And this is a good laugh. This is a joyful laugh. This is a laugh that comes from gladness, from victory, from overcoming, from seeing God's promise fulfilled. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. If Sarah was talking to you today, She'd say you need to trust God even if those around you don't. You're going to have people that will belittle 
what you believe to be God's promise in your life. You're going to have people who belittle what God is sparking and starting in your life. They're going to look down on what God has placed in your heart. They're going to go about it in different ways. Listen, we get a lot of stuff that's poured into us from social media, internet, so on and so forth. You know, you just got to block it all out and focus on what you believe God has spoken into your heart. And just, just push aside these voices that mock God, that belittle the things of God in your life. And Sarah and says, wow, she laughs and she says, wow, look at what God has done in my life. Look at what God is doing. I remember when we first thought about having church in a cinema. It was very peculiar to me. It wasn't like, wow, I, I, I mean, I knew, I knew without question, I've shared with you that God called Chris and I to start a church here in Gardner and in this region right here. And now, though, this kind of an opportunity uh, came to me about the cinema. It came once, and I honestly just kind of, I had it like number three or four in a list, right? And then it comes around again to me, and I won't give you all the details, but in a way that I simply had to take note to it. And, and as I began to talk to people, it was rather frustrating, because I met with the owners, and, and they, they themselves kind of thought it was ridiculous. They, the guy was like, you're allowed to do that? I mean, like, you can do that? <laughs> Strange, you know, your church is going to come and meet like right here in the movie theater. And then they said, okay, so over time I began to introduce it to people. And I'd say, hey, you know, we're going to meet, you know, we're going to be meeting and I'm starting a church. We're going to meet in the garden of cinemas. And be like, oh, well, you're going to fix the place up? I say, well, like, pretty good condition. You know, they're like, well, what about parking? I'm like, well, <laughs> it'd be great if we have a problem with parking, you know. Come to realize they would think I'm talking about downtown, the place that's, a, you know, the old movie theater that was abandoned in downtown Gardner, that we we're going to fix up that. I'm like, no, 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 just the Gardner Cinemas, you know, the, the Gardner Cinemas. They're like, oh, oh, the old uh, movie drive-in place, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, on, on, what is it, Broadway or something like that. I'm like, I'm, I, no, no, just the Gardner Cinemas. They're like, well, oh, you mean one of the storefronts in, in Timpany Plaza? I'm like, no, no, just we're going to meet in the Gardner Cinemas right down. They're like, Oh, you mean in the movie theater? I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, you know? <laughs> and some of them saw, but I know over time that they, uh, some people are good, thought it was ridiculous. It was silly. It's a novelty. There's a church go and meet in a movie theater on a Sunday. But we had, were convinced that, and even myself, that I realized that this, this was not my plan. This was God's plan. And this was ridiculous. But God calling me and Christy, apart from where we were going, to do this in a sense was ridiculous. The whole thing was crazy. The timing was ridiculous. And yet here we were. And, we're like, and I'm like, you know, Christy, this is God's will. Look. It's exactly what we want to do. Look at it. It puts us out there. It puts us, it levels the playing field. We come right to where people are. When they come in there, they just, they see what they're used to. It, we call it neutral. And before people can come from, from negative, they got to go to zero. Before they can get to positive, let's meet them where they are. We're not going to put out signs in the front. We're not going to turn around and dial up the front. No, they're just going to walk in there and going to see what they're used to seeing. And they'll keep going and it'll open up and then they'll meet us. And we go from there, right? And then we'll relate to them. And God had his way. And here we are now. And you know what's ridiculous? That a few people in a, in a living room coming together seven years ago, that people would come, people like you would come, would join us. And over the years, we'd see lives change. We'd see marriages healed. We'd, we'd see people get better. People, uh, you know, uh, come, you know come overcome doing drugs. And most of all, to God be the glory, we'd see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, right? Sarah realized that, as we all do, that it's just so much better to wait on God. 
And when Sarah came to know this, that God is a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is now slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some, you and I, understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If Sarah were alongside of you today, she would say, don't take matters into your own hand today. Don't do that. Don't jump on this. Don't take control of it. Be patient and wait and trust in God's timetable. Wait. Sarah would say, God knew what he was doing. And she'd say, you know what I realized looking back? That my solution was a poor substitute for God's promise. Yes? Before she left us, before she left us, Sarah would turn and say, hey, one more thing. It's one more thing I got to tell you before I depart, even our very best cannot compare to what God has in mind for you. Did you hear that today? I want you to leave you with that. That even our very best, what we fathom, what we think, what we cannot compare to what God has in mind for you. It's just so true. And we see it again and again in people's lives. That's why we talk about the best is yet to come, because it just keeps getting better. The more we wait on God, the more we trust God, right? The more we are okay with the ridiculous of God, meaning we can't imagine this, but we know he has this for us. And we're going to live in that. We are going to live in that ridiculous. We are going to live in God's timetable. We are going to trust in him. No matter how long it takes, we are going to let God work in us and through us to glorify himself. We can't lead our lives better than God would. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4 says this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Praise God. God's got a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. Let's turn to God and wait on him. Some of you are in a difficult season right now. In relationships, life, and I just say to you, wait on God. Just right now today, just sit there. Right now, just feel and sense God, Holy Spirit, expanding your view of God, expanding your view of eternity, and just expanding your life. That there is so much more than you realize. Even in your present circumstances, there is so much promises that await for you. He's a God who promises. He's a God of peace. He's a God of potential. He's a loving, powerful, mighty God, and you want to do that today. And if you came in here this morning and you did not know God, meaning you, you, you've not waited on God for a second. Matter of fact, you've been spending most of your life going away from God, turning away from God. And maybe you've been kind of struggling with that and it's come to you from time to time. But here you are today now and God has drawn you in here. God has appointed your steps to be in here today. I believe that with all my heart. I experienced that. And today now God, Holy Spirit, is setting his mark on your soul and drawing you to him. He's drawing you to salvation. He's bringing you to a place of trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, when you came in here, you were given a card. It's, we call it our connection card. On the back of it, it says, my next steps. And if you've today decided that you want to turn to God, ask him to forgive you of your sins, those things you did when you weren't waiting on God, which we do when we don't wait on God. We take control of our lives and we live a life out in the way that we deem best. And in that, we sin against God. We miss the mark. But today, you, you are believing that Jesus gave his life on the cross of that his shed blood would cover your sins, 
would wipe them clean, you would be made new, and you would be able to stand before God today and say, have your way with me, God. I need you, and I love your son Jesus, my Savior, and I want to follow him all the days of my life, and I want my eternity expanded. Yes? You want to check off the box that says, I have decided to start a new relationship with Jesus. I've decided to renew my relationship with Jesus. And you want to take this card and drop it off in the guest service. Actually, you, put it in the, uh, you can put it in a black box. But if you bring it out to the guest services table, they'll have a package to give you with a Bible and some other information. We thank God for what he's doing in your life. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? You worship God. Happy Mother's Day. And today, as you're worshiping, as you're singing to God, just feel God expanding your view of him and expanding eternity and feel your view of life being expanded. To God be the glory.